0: Come on, can we give it up for all our dads today? Awesome. Happy Father's Day to you, if you haven't heard it already. Uh, It's good to have you here with us. Welcome to Fathom Church. If this is your first time, we hope you just feel at home. We hope this feels like coming home to you and you just really feel relaxed, get get connected with people around you, grow in your faith, and grow in in family as well. Being a dad is tough stuff, but uh, being a dad is good stuff, I've found out here in these past few years. Um, And many of you are much uh, further along on this journey, and and I feel very humbled just to have this opportunity to be able to share with you today. So um, uh, I'm excited. We thought it'd be fun today to kind of get started off, because what dads are classically known for is their quotes, their sayings. So uh, there was this trending topic on Twitter this week that was dad quotes, and we wanted to throw some of these up and and, uh, just kind of get us started today. Uh, Jimmy Fallon's the one that kind of got this started. He said, a stranger tried to give my mom the Heimlich while she was choking, and my dad said, mind your own business. Dad quotes. Uh, uh, Sarah Morris, Sarah Pancakes. One. Um, you can go look like a bum when you hang out with your hipster friends, but you're gonna wear real shoes <laughs> when you go to church. Dad quotes. Uh, let's see what else we got. Uh, check at uh, check the mic. This dude's actually a church planner. I found out. Um, his dad said, "Son, how's Ashley doing?" Uh, me, uh, Dad. It's Ashton, and we've been together for ten years now. <laughs> dad quotes. Um, Allison this faller uh, Matt um, I guess this was, was her brother or something Dad did you know most cats die of organ failure? Dad responds That's why I recommend all cats play the piano <laughs> Take you a second on that one It's a good one though It's a good one uh, C. Finn Tweet You have to admit I rock this Dad quotes um, No dad no one rocks Crocs and knee high socks <laughs> I think Dr. Seuss would be proud of that one Is that the last one? Yeah, good dad quotes. It's, it's funny. We have like all kinds of funny stories to tell uh, about our fathers. Um, but today uh, can be a, just a difficult day for a lot of folks. And all of us have different reactions to even the word dad and the, the, the idea of Father's Day. I remember when I wasn't a father or when Mother's Day rolls around, I just sometimes like, have the question, like, should I really be there? Like, I mean, I'm guessing they're going like, to gear it towards the fathers or gear it towards the mothers. And I just feel kind of disconnected sometimes, Um, but I think it's so important because this all hits us at different areas, and so I'm going to try to approach it like that today, that that this isn't just to the fathers today, this is for everybody, because I know in this room there's dads in here who have had good examples for what a father is, and there's dads in here who have had bad examples for what a father is, and there's uh, dads in here who have never had an example for a father. I know there's some future dads in here who have had good examples for fathers, some future dads who have had bad examples for fathers, and some future dads who have never had a dad at all. The same thing's true about moms, moms and future moms who have had good experiences, who have had bad examples, and who have had no examples whatsoever. And so this all hits us at different places, and while many will come in and say, I'm ready to celebrate and honor my father, some of us are just plain missing our father. I know that can seem like a heavy thing after some light jokes, but I want to approach it like that today. So if you feel like you fall into any of those categories, you're a dad or a future dad, a mom or a future mom, or a person who's never had a dad, you're, maybe you'll never be a, a future mom, future dad in your mind biologically, will you just stand with me? If that applies to you in any way, I just want you to stand with me. If you are a dad or a future dad, mom, or fu- will you stand with me? And you've had a good dad, a bad dad, or no dad, that should cover everybody, I'm pretty sure. So the whole idea here is that it does touch everybody. I think it's safe to say, okay, I just need to get you exercising like we're in a Baptist church. All right, sit down. Now that we've broke a sweat from that big stand, right? (laughs) We all fall into one of these categories. We all have been impacted either positively or negatively by fathers. We carry the good, the bad, the beautiful, and the ugly from what we we take from uh, our, our parents. Um, and some of you again, are mourning today because you, your parents are across the country um, or in another city, or they're no longer here with us. Whatever it is, we have all these different emotions, but I want to approach you because all of us are impacted in some way, shape, or form. And if you'll allow me, this, this, this young dad just wants to pour out his heart um, to, to some people who I believe are impacted by fathers, and whether you're a father or a future father, or your mother, or a future mother. A grandmother, a future grandmother, whatever. We have a role to play, and we need to see the importance of dads, because as we just realized, we've all been impacted somehow, and they're important, and they play an incredible role in the future of our nation, and I believe the Bible speaks to this so clearly. So if you were with us last week, we've been doing a series on James, and really James is encouraging us to step up and grow. This is something I've been doing as a young dad. Every step of the way, I have to grow. I have to, I have to change. Like, I kind of got settled into kind of marriage after, you know, several years, and man, this dad thing, it, it made me change. Can I have some, some other dads in the room that like, man, this caused me to change. It's still causing me to change. And the same thing, moms could say the same thing. And we, each of us in, in our lives, we're, we're caused to change when these different seasons of our life come on. And we, we have to, to adapt and grow as people and as Christians, and that's really what James is pushing us to. Last week, we, we talked about the, the, the words of life and how important they are, and they can, one word can set a spark of a forest fire um, in our lives and really control and steer uh, the pattern of our lives by our tongue, and today, we're, we're going to really go into the recesses of our mind. Again, we've talked about listening, we've talked about seeing, we've talked about what we speak Today we're going to go back into like the recesses of the mind, but we're not going to go into the recesses of a father's mind or a mother's mind, a man or a woman's mind. We're going to the recesses of, of what it means to have the mind of Christ, to have the heart of Christ. Because this whole idea that, that, that James uses over and over again about embracing and understanding faith as something to be lived out, if we don't get it here, it, it won't happen out there. Years ago, I I really began to ponder and explore um, just th- the changes of gender roles in our modern er- modern era. How, how things are changing. Uh, what a mom and a dad used to look like isn't what a mom and dad look like today. And, and just the, the way gender roles have, have changed. And I was just very interested in this. And um, I, I've got a whole series at some point I hope to be able to kind of like share on, on this, but and today, just for a second, I want to kind of give you a little bit of a window into what that'll look like concerning this, and so I, I want to throw out some scenarios, and I, I want us to kind of play a little game here, and I'm going I'm to just kind of give us a, a bit of a um, hypothetical situation, and I, I want you to raise your hand. I'm going to ask you, do you think that's more likely to be a male or more likely to be a female? I'll ask you, and we'll kind of roll with this. We'll figure it out after the first couple of times. Um, so, is it more likely that a young man or a young woman would run off and get lost from their parents? If you think it's more likely to be a male, raise your hand. If you think it's more likely to be a female, raise your hand. Okay, that one's kind of mixed. Okay, good. Um, do you think um, is it more likely that a man or a woman would be gentle? If you think a man is more likely to be gentle, raise your hand. If you think a woman is more likely to be gentle, raise your hand. Okay, looks like the women have it on that one. Happy Father's Day. Um, (laughs) um, Do you think a man or a woman is more likely to do physical labor and work with their hands? If you think a man is more likely to do physical labor and work with their hands, if you think a woman is more likely to work with their hands and do physical labor, some of you guys are wishful thinking maybe, I don't know. Um, (laughs) Do you think a man or a woman is more likely to create a weapon of some sort, just naturally? Do you think a man's more likely to create a weapon? Raise your hand. If you think a woman's more likely to create a weapon, raise your hand. <laughs> some, some card-carrying uh, ladies in the room. <laughs> um, it, if you think it's more likely that a man or a woman would cry over a friend's passing, do you think a man's more likely to cry over a friend's passing, or do you think a woman's more likely to cry over a friend's passing? Some of you guys just aren't voting, and it makes it really tough <laughs> to play this game. <laughs> no, here, here's the idea that it's throughout all each of those. Those are scenarios that Jesus lived Uh, Jesus cried over his friend's passing when religious people were in the temple. Jesus was so angry, he literally walked in, saw what was going on, walked outside, made a weapon, started flipping tables over and just like going off on everybody, people who had made um, just the the temple just a place to make money. Um, And uh, not only that, but um, we saw that Jesus was really one of the most gentle and compassionate people uh, on the face of the planet um, that the world's ever known. We see that Jesus, um, his father Joseph was a carpenter, and most likely he grew up as a carpenter working with his hands as kind of a tradesman until he really started his ministry. So all these kind of things, while we would kind of classically, you know, characterize them as gender roles, even in our modern era, things are, are even have progressed so much from what it used to be, even in our modern area, modern modern era, We would still, you know, classically set those as one gender. And so today what I want us to do is not go into the mind of a man or the mind of a woman or look who we are or or who we want to become, but look at the mind of Christ. And the idea for us moms and dads, uh, whether uh, you're married or or whether you're a single mom or dad leading or, or, or whether you'll experience this in the future, the goal is for us to have the mind of Christ, to lead like Christ led so many times our, our marriages look like battles back and forth between people who just see things differently. And, and I believe if we just kind of redefine who is the head of our house, and I'm not talking about a man or woman, I'm talking about Jesus as the head of our house, those conversations and those struggles would begin to chill out just sometimes when we realize that Jesus is at the head um, and that our job is to lead and follow him. Um, so today we're going to begin to dive into Scripture and go to James chapter 4. And we're going to see kind of some things revealed about the mind. And at first glance, you wouldn't see much conversation here. But give it, give it a few verses here. And By the time we get to the middle of this chapter, we're going to read the whole chapter. Don't be scared. I'm going to, I'm going to go quickly through it. Um, we'll, by the time we get to the middle of it, we'll be getting into what the mind and the heart of a believer that takes on the mind of Christ, the heart of Christ, really looks like. Okay? So let's begin. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you. Remember we're coming off a chapter where it was a lot about words and the tongue and taming the tongue and it ends with, you know, blessed are are peacemakers and and who sow uh, a harvest of of righteousness, those that, that sow peace into their homes. And so this kind of conversation, fighting is kind of role. You know, when he wrote this, it was a letter. It didn't have numbers, it didn't have chapters so we often break it up like that but there's a whole flow to what he's saying here about the tongue and you desire but you don't have so you kill um, this, this kind of relates to our homes, right? Like things don't get done like the way we think they should get done, and what happens? We start burning. We're like, I wish she would just put that toothpaste cap on. I wish she would just do this. I wish he would just do that. And we have these kind of wars that kind of go on in our mind and in our heart, and it's not long before they come out and because what? we don't get what we want, and so we're willing to even kill people for not getting what we want. You, you covet, but you can't get what you want. So you quarrel, you fight. Uh, you do not have, because you don't ask God. And so he's turning the table. Why why don't you have this? And he's leading us somewhere here. It's because you you don't ask God. When you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives. So even when you do decide, hey, you know what? We should probably ask God about this. That actual approach is usually about us. It's usually about us getting uh, what we want, right? Like when we actually decide, hey, we're going to stop and and ask God for something. Dads and guys are classically known for what? Not asking directions. Not reading the directions. Do I have any uh, direction bypassers? Like I'll figure it out. Come and come on, come on. Um, we had we had a really nice crib given to us when Beckett was born, and um, we were living in this house. And, and you know, I, I wanted some space to build this crib. And there was no directions with it, so I didn't really have a choice here, and I didn't want to call the guy, because I didn't want to look like an idiot um, about not knowing how to put a simple crib together. And so I go into our dining room, got a little space, move the table, build this crib, and then I go to like roll it. It's on little rollers, and we try to roll it in there, and I can't get it in the door. (sighs) I've like got to take the whole thing apart, like another hour, and like it's just new to me, and I can't figure it out, but I'm not willing to call somebody. Some of you experience this same thing over and over again, and we get so frustrated, because we're not willing to ask. And this is a bigger, this is a, there's something bigger to this, man, I think we're going to learn today, because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasure. It's just about ourselves, and Man, we live, we really do live in a generation, and I don't want anybody to think I'm I'm speaking to you necessarily. I'm talking about us as a generation. We live in a generation that our kind of corporate system has made us so much about us. I mean, that, that whatever we get, whatever we ask for, it's really about us. Whatever we demand from other people, it's about us. And I think God wants to speak something to our heart in the middle of this and give us kind of what's in the future for us when we walk in obedience to what he's asking here and what he's getting to our heart. Verse four, "Uh, you adulterous people, some heavy-duty language is kind of being pulled out here. You don't know that friendship with the world means enmity against God. Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Let's continue here. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? Go back uh, to verse four. Um, b- verse four. We adulterous people. Some heavy language is coming out, and he's talking about our heart, and because and, and, what he's going to be getting to is submission. He's going to be getting to this whole aspect of authority in our mind. Who is in charge in our life? Does anybody like to be in charge? Like anybody? We're, are we really tired today? Like our arms won't like raise all the way up. We didn't do good with the, the, the hand-raising game. And, um, no, we, most of us like to be in charge. We, don't, we, we might not want to admit it, or, or we, our arms may be too tired to lift up today. Um, but he's saying something here. We want to be in charge, but he, he's saying that really, ultimately, it's going to be a submission of our mind, submission of our heart. Um, and, and what he's saying here is not necessarily, because we see Jesus who was a friend of sinners, right? We see that throughout Scripture. And so we can look at this and be like, these seem like two different doctrines, two different understandings, but here's what it's saying. It's saying that submission is not a passive action. We're going to get to submission here and just say submission is not passive. Submission is active. It's actually pursuing. It's leaving something behind and going forward towards something else. We used to play this version of um, of, uh, four-way tug-of-war, or not tug-of-war, four-way capture the flag. Uh, this is kind of a different version, but basically, you know how traditional capture the flag works. Uh, I tag someone, they go, they sit in the jail till the end of the game, and it's like the lamest thing until someone gets you out. Well, we would do it a little differently. Four-way capture the flag is you'd have a bunch of teams, you just split it right down the, the middle in kind of different quadrants. And, and once you, you tagged someone, you didn't just take them to jail, but they were on your team. And like, so this game could get over really fast, you could play a lot, but it would wear you out, because at the very end, it'd be like two people against ten people, and it would just be exhausting. But this idea that submission's not passive, and like, oh, I'm just going to sit here and wait now. Submission, when we say yes to Christ, we actually leave something behind, and we go, and we pursue the other. Um, How many of you guys ever seen that show Kitchen Nightmares? Anybody? I, I don't know why, it's kind of a weird show for, for me, it's not like in my repertoire of shows, but I've really gotten into it recently, and, and it's Chef Gordon Ramsay, and he goes into like these, you know, kitchens that are losing, and, and restaurants that are losing like eight to ten to $12,000 a month, you're going to lose $100,000 over the year, I mean, just rough stuff, there's all kinds of junk going on, and they usually, you know, use like family type um, restaurants where there's a lot of drama, family work. You guys know how family work and what family works. And and so that's the ones they usually pick. And there's usually uh, some kind of hardcore patriarch that's a disciplinarian that's running it. I saw once where this guy had like six kids and he was making them all, and they were like grown kids, making them all work for free, full time. Like they couldn't do anything with their life. I mean, so they kind of use a lot of these like patriarchal dads who are just like, you know, iron fist type thing. But really, what, what Chef Ramsay goes in there to do, before he can do anything, he's got to break the pride of the man. He's got to break the pride of the man. And I'm not talking about like a positive sense of pride. I'm talking about you're too proud to learn. You're too proud to grow. That's the first thing he's got to break. And so he just tells them everything that's wrong. And, and, you know, they fight it so much, and there's arguing and yelling and, Just heavy-duty language the whole time, and they're so angry because there's no way they're wrong. They're so convinced their food is wonderful, and a man who knows what he's talking about goes in there and says, everything you're serving, we've got to shut the restaurant down. You shouldn't even be serving this to people. It always scares me because I'm just worried I'm going to walk into one of those. So I kind of profile restaurants. (laughs) I'm like, what would Gordon think? What would Gordon do? Uh, uh, But that's what it is, and we can call this stuff what we want. We can call not willing to ask for directions. We can call it what we want. We can call it stubborn if we want. But at the root of all of this, and let me just speak to the men because, look, I come from a stubborn, prideful family. That's my my thing. Like, I'm great at being stubborn. If you need proof, ask my wife. She'll give you example after example. I'm hard-headed. I'm stubborn. I'm prideful. I can do this. I can work through this. I'll make this happen. So when I say this, I'm the least of these. We can call it what we want. It's pride. We're prideful, men. We're prideful. We're not willing to ask someone. We're not willing to admit. Uh, The older we get, the less teachable we get because the more and more, just we've passed on and we don't have anything new to learn. It doesn't matter if you're 15 or 55. We've all got something to learn in this. And more than anything, I want to show you what Scripture says. Jump to verse 6 here. And and this is where the the hinge point kind of happens. But He gives us more grace. This is why scripture says, he's referring back to Proverbs here. He says, God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. He gives us more grace. And and for the moms and the dads and and just those kind of struggling to make it through life right now, like probably moms and dads are, (laughs) because the responsibilities grow and the sleep goes down and there's more kind of, you know, room for chaos and stress when you don't have sleep and you have more responsibility. There's a Thing that happens there and so it's not just parents it's if your responsibilities go up if your sleep goes down um, those things make a difference you realize that we need more grace like if anything if fatherhood has taught me anything it's taught me I need more mercy today because I, you know with my wife I had one shot to mess it up and now I've got two now I've got three shots to mess it up and not leading like I should it makes me understand that i need more grace and god gives that to us but but hear what proverbs he he uh, or proverb he reiterates here god opposes the proud and shows favor to the humble, uh, let's continue to verse seven. That speaks for itself. He it says this: Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil; he flee from you, he'll flee from you. What did I say about submission? It's active. You, you don't just say, "Okay, God, I submit." Okay, you're in charge. I'm not in charge. I'm not just going to be this patriarchal or a mom that's just got an iron fist. I, I'm going to submit. This is your house. You're in charge. You have authority over me and our family. No, it's not like that. We resist something. We turn away and we draw near. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Let's continue to verse 8. Come near to God. He'll come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your heart. So he's moving to the heart. He's moving to the way we think and, and the way we view God. And, and he says, Purify your hearts, you double minded. And I don't know. I repent a lot more now that I'm a father. <laughs> I do. Because it's tough and I feel like I make more mistakes because I've got more opportunities to make mistakes. But man, some of us, we just continue to, to move and become more prideful and, and leading, afraid to ask for help when we feel like we're losing our family, we're losing our marriage, we're, we're losing our opportunities that God's given us, the things he's blessed us with. We feel like we're losing it. We're so afraid to ask somebody because we're prideful. And like I just wonder, like, what will it cost us someday if we're not willing to 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 be real and be honest and take steps forward and grow as james is challenging us to he's saying repent over this and he calls us double-minded because i think we do this in verse 8 he calls us double-minded because we do this moms dads men women we do this all the time we're double-minded we we want other we want rules to apply to other people that we don't want to apply to us We think other people should ask for forgiveness first. We think other people should repent first. We think other people should obey authority. Other people should listen to us. But what? We're we're usually not willing to submit to the authority that's over us in Christ and letting him lead us. We we beg and we we yell for our kids to obey our authority and listen. But really, when it comes down to it, we're not uh, obeying the authority of Christ in our own lives man, this is something that strikes home with me, because this week, I, I mean, we moved into a new house, and there was, like, some things that were supposed to be done, and they didn't get done. I, I've talked about it a little bit, and this week, I, I was just, like, at the point of my stress. We're moved in three weeks. Things are still not done. They, they're, they're getting it done now. We've got everything worked out, but at the beginning of this week, it was rough. Somebody texted me. I said, man, I'm stressed. I'm, they were asking me. I'm, like, I'm not doing great. I'm stressed, um, And then Tuesday night, we were sitting around our staff meeting, and Caleb brought something up and was just sharing in his own life. And I'm like, dude, that's it. Like, why didn't I get this? And he was talking about control, like, and just not having control of our our own lives. And that was the issue for me. I I couldn't have control of this situation. I couldn't make it happen. I couldn't force things, which is what we like to do. As men and women, we like to, to force things, figure it out on ourselves. I couldn't have control of it. I was dealing with my real estate agent, who was dealing with the manager, who was dealing with the president of the company, who was dealing with their legal aid, who was dealing with their president, who was dealing with the, the work, you know, uh, labor overseer, who was overseeing the laborers. And I was going through this, whole, I couldn't control anything, and I was so stressed out until I just realized that, man, I just don't think God's in charge right now, do I? I just don't trust God, do I? I just think that I can do this, I can force this, I love that, I mean, we love to do that, we love to go in, and when something's wrong, we love to go fix it, but truly, I believe, being a man, being a woman of God, and mature in our faith means trusting God. With all of our situations, asking him for help. It's the first place we should go, and it's usually the last, right? When things are are so gnarly, we can't figure it out, right? We could cause ourselves so much less heartache and and, and save ourselves from so much heartache if we would just ask first. And it says something about how we view God. It says something that we think really that we're in charge and when we need help, when it's finally kind of falling apart, then we'll ask. And it says some intense stuff here, and he's getting us to the heart of repentance. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. And look, I don't want to leave us here. Today, dads, trust me, I'm not going to leave us here. Uh, changing your laughter. I'm like, this today is supposed to be like about fun and funny tweets, funny quotes, and all that stuff. But look, I, I could give you that stuff and make us feel really great walking out of the room, but I think we'd all rather, from the words of life and Scripture, have our families back and have our futures back because we know how to lead our families. Because first of all, we know how to lead ourselves, and that's submitting to Christ, not passively, but actively and drawing near to him, and humbling ourselves before him, submitting to him, and not asking other people to do things that we won't do for ourselves, which is obey the authority of Christ. This idea about changing our laughter to mourning, he's just at the heart of repentance. If there's issues in our life, and I think this kind of got brought up a lot through our tongues last week, there's things we should repent over and ask for repentance. I ask for repentance, you know, I feel like more than I do, you know, before I was a father, there's things just it makes it harder. Verse 10. Humble yourself before the Lord and he'll lift you up. Humble yourself before the Lord and he'll lift you up. Uh, John chapter 3, I believe it's verse 30. John the Baptist, who's known to, to kind of be preparing the way for Jesus to come, he's preaching this message of repentance. He's saying, Look, repent like, like Jesus is coming, like the Messiah, the Savior, all the Jews have waited for. He's going to be here. John the Baptist is kind of preaching this, this message. And I, I, I love John the Baptist because I think we all represent that too. I think that's the life we should be leaving. Because here's what John the Baptist says. And it says that he must become greater and I must become less. He must become greater and I must become less. Uh, one of my favorite worship songs I ever heard. I heard it up in Atlanta. North Point Community was do, doing this like singles thing called 722. I, we drove from Florida to check it out, and uh, I just remember somebody leading. It was an acoustic set, so we were kind of bombed. We were like, man, we wanted the big deal. And, like We get there, and it's an acoustic set. and It's just one of the most beautiful worship times I've ever been in. And I heard this one song that I didn't know the chords, and I was a, a new instrumentalist and singer. But I, I went home, and I had to figure this song out. It was nowhere online, but here was the chorus of it. I lift you high, and I bow down low. How high can you be? How low can I go? I lift you high and I bow down low. How high can you be and how low can I go? That was one of the most powerful courses I'd ever heard because it was this thing that this isn't over. No matter what age, no matter how far I've gotten, it just repeated this idea of what John the Baptist said in John 3.30, that he's got to become greater. He's got to increase i got to decrease, and so really when we lead our homes, moms, dads, future moms, and dads, grandparents, when we're pouring into the next generation, those that in here, well, maybe you'll never be a biological father or mother, but you play that role, and this applies to you just as well because it impacts us all. He's got to increase. He's got to be the forefront. We've got to decrease and we're just so prideful that, that we can do this ourselves and we're not willing to ask. But here's what happens when we humble ourselves before the Lord He lifts us up, He doesn't leave you there. And so I've just gotten bought into this idea. That's why we call everything that we do here, when you join kind of like a volunteer ministry, you're on the serve team because that's what it's about. It's about having this heart that, look, it's not about me, it's not about me, it's, it's about the kingdom. and and whatever I can do to promote that. And so for those of you that do things in secret as a part of this church, I applaud you, that work hard to make things happen around here. There's so much stuff you just don't see. I mean, we we walk in sometimes and we just realize, oh man, things really got put together. Or they didn't, and we just don't realize how much work it goes on behind the scenes. So those of you that are serving in that area across the church, I thank you and applaud you. No one sees you rehearse. No one sees you, you know, fill out that paperwork. No one sees you come and clean. Nobody sees you doing some of the yard work. No one sees any of that stuff, but God sees it, and know this much. If you humbled yourself, God's going to lift you up. He's going to lift you up, and you may not see that immediately, but over time, you will be blown away. Most of the people that God chose to raise up were people who never should have had an opportunity in the first place, shepherds, slaves, murderers, and adulterers, and God chose to raise them up as they humbled themselves, as they repented. I could go to story after story. We could do a series for the rest of the year that God chose to use people because they turned. They turned, they humbled themselves, and God lifted them up. Let's continue on. Uh, Brothers and sisters, don't slander anyone. Again, we're we're seeing some talk about talk here, but it's deeper than that, and we're going to see that here in just a second. Brothers and sisters, don't slander anyone. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it, but you're sitting in judgment on it. There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy, but you are Who are you to judge your neighbor? And that's really what we do when we choose not to submit. We choose to say that we are the God, that we're in charge, we have authority, and we haven't submitted authority to Christ. I I love what the the centurion soldier says one time when he's really afraid. I think it's his, his son or his daughter that's sick and He's afraid to ask Jesus, knowing that he's a busy man. He gets it. He works hard. He's a Roman soldier. He led hundreds of men. And he says, look, I'm a man under authority, so I get that. He says, I I tell this one, go and do it. He goes and does it. This one, to to do this, and he does it. He said, I get that. He said, and I was afraid. He said, I I didn't want to bother you and ask you to come out because I didn't feel like I was worthy of that. And I didn't want to come in because I didn't feel like... I was worthy of that either. I think there's such humility there. And he said, but God, you speak the word. And I know, I know it'll happen. And so maybe the challenge for us, men and women, is to, as we go into this week, before we go and try to fix it ourselves, the next situation, before we go and yell and demand authority, maybe we just take a step back and, and ask ourselves, in my mind, is Christ at the ultimate authority? Do I believe that he can speak the word? Or or does my speech and do my actions, you know, command that really I'm the one that's the judge? Who am I to judge my neighbor? God's the judge. He's the ultimate lawgiver. And it makes it a deep transition here. And um, this is going to be one of those, man, where you're going to look at me and be like, dude, bad scripture for Father's Day. Really encouraging. Really appreciate it. You're going to sit here in a second. Now listen you who say today or tomorrow we'll go to this or that city we'll spend a year he- there carry on business make money why you don't even know what will happen tomorrow i love this line what is your life I, like i just picture him saying that like what is your life you're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes and I don't have to make references to you. You've had family and friends that you felt left this earth way too early. We, feel, we experience that heartache on a, almost a daily, weekly, monthly basis. We experience it, people who left, and we realize just the brevity of this life. And moms and dads, as we get older, we, we see that in our kids, that we look one day and they're like, gosh, when did they, when did they get in that shoe size? Are we seriously starting kindergarten? Are we seriously graduating high school now? Are they seriously out of my house already? We, we, we experience this kind of, the brevity of the life we live. And, and it brings us back to this thing, and we realize this is more true. It goes by quick, and so we have to take advantage of the present and I love what it says in verse 5, what James says here in verse 5, and because I think it speaks something to, let's finish out this right here, and I'll, I want to go back to verse 5. Or do you think scripture says without reason, oh wait, okay, we'll stay here. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit that he caused to dwell in us? Go, go back down there where we were. He, he longs to spend time with us. And I think that's the whole idea about pursuing and drawing near to God and humbling ourselves, submitting us. It's not because he can like like rule and, and have authority, which he will and he wants to. It's so we can have a relationship. It's always been about relationship. And many times we lead our homes, moms and dads, like it's about authority. But for Jesus, that authority comes from the relationship because we don't obey the authority without the relationship. There's a like, huge lesson for us to learn as men and women of God right there. You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Let's continue. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will we will live, we'll do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin for them. And so moms and dads and future moms and dads in here. We've got to take advantage of the present. Because that scripture's true. We're not promised tomorrow. The mind of Christ is not always, you know, focused on some future kingdom, but it's a present kingdom. It's not focused on where our kids are going to college. It's focused on loving them the best we know how and leading them as Jesus would lead them today. It's not setting out all those plans for them. It's loving them today, doing the best we can for them today, and just release it. And as I've kind of learned to release my future into the hands of Christ, I've just felt such freedom lifted. Because I'm no longer the final word. I'm no longer the final authority. And you say, man, well, I'm facing a situation I don't feel like Scripture speaks to. Maybe, maybe not. But let's ask God. God. Let's pray and ask God. Let's submit ourselves. Let's raise him our mind to the authority that he belongs and deserves. I, 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 and there's going to be something that flows out of that. And, and if we know what we ought to do leaving this place, if we know what that looks like in, in living in the present and loving our families, like there is no tomorrow and making all these plans and we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing today, it's sin. It's sin for us because we know it. And this whole idea about listening and hearing and, and, and um, speaking is all kind of hinged on this idea of, of do we have the mind of Christ? I, I watch this. I, I watch TED Talks. Uh, I was watching one on Netflix a night or two ago. There was this woman, and she was talking about nonverbal communication. It was funny. I was in an anchor group this past week, and that kind of got brought up, nonverbal communication. So I was interested in it, I was laying there watching it, and... This lady is kind of presenting some kind of new understanding and science behind nonverbal communication. And she's saying that most of the time we think that our, our, um, our actions flow out of our mind. And she says, and that's true. That's like our, our basic understanding. Our mind is made up, we do the actions. She says, but there's also something to, to our actions controlling our mind. And so she talked about these kind of studies between testosterone and cortisol or, or something like that. Testosterone is really where we get power and authority from and cortisol is where we get low stress. And She's a, a business professor at Harvard, and um, you know she's saying that really the, the the power, the most powerful and best leaders are those that have you know high authority and low stress. We don't want a person with high authority, you know, leading something that's really high stress, and they're going to flip out about every little thing. And we don't want someone that's leading that has no authority and high stress, or no authority and 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 no stress. We, we want someone that can lead. It's not going to be. You know, flipping out. So she talked about the actions and the, and the body positions that a person can take to kind of display power and authority. And one is this right here. It's like, see like leaders, like all these military leaders, are like Ugh, something like that. Champions, they get up and do this. They, she said that um, even a person who's, who's been blind every day of their life, if they were, you know, when they win a race or something and some type of thing, when they win a race, they'll lift up their hands without having ever seen this before because they'll feel powerful and authoritative like they won. And she says and the opposite is true when we kind of ball up or we find ourselves curled up many times it's it's a lack of authority and so I'm not going into her entire talk but really the hinge point of, of what she says is, is that our actions make a difference on our mind. And that we can, we can focus it, and really it, it's happening in the mind first, saying, hey, we're going to do this. I don't feel powerful. I don't feel like I, I'm an authority, but I'm going to take the position of a submitted person who says that Christ is in control. And to me, many of you who are new to the church, haven't been around a lot of times, when we see people raising their hands, it's just an ultimate sign of surrender. I really believe that's what It's just an ultimate sign of surrender and, and victory that, look, it's not in my power, it's in his power. It's not in my authority, it's him that that should increase and in me that should decrease. And I think that body action just represents the life that we should lead. And so, ultimately, for us today, it's about becoming humble men and women of God that submit ourselves and draw near to God. And as we do that, I believe a lot of things are going to begin to happen. I believe we're going to find peace in our homes like we've never experienced it before. I believe that we're going to find greater purpose in the will of God today to lead our families, to lead in the workplace, whatever that might be, to lead in the streets. We're going to find greater purpose in that, that God has enabled us to live out his will. I think we're going to find a lot of stress be lifted off of us because it's not our final word, it's his final word. There's so many things that just begin to unfold as we submit ourselves, not passively, but actively to pursuing Christ and saying yes to him. And I know across this room, we're experiencing this in a lot of different ways. People who had good dads, bad dads, no dads, granddads, no granddads. We're experiencing this in so many different ways. But here's what I know. Every single one of us, men, women, moms, dads, future moms and dads, we're being pointed to the same place. To follow Jesus, to lead as Jesus leads us, to take on the mind of Christ and know that out of that mind, out of that submitted, out of that humble heart, flow the actions, flow, seeing people differently, that it's not me who's judging, it's him. Hearing people differently, it's not them who's slandering me. I think they're slandering Jesus. Knowing what comes out of our mouth, knowing what comes in our ears, and how we see people. So I know a lot of this wasn't extremely encouraging. Your life, what is it? You know, some of those things. You know, change your laughter to gloom. Some of those things aren't super encouraging, but I hope they can resonate with us today. I hope they'll be powerful today. I hope that we'd rather walk away with something that has changed us rather than something that just pat us on the back. And dads, I pat you on the back because I don't have this thing figured out. I come humbly saying that you're probably doing a lot better job than I am. God's just lifted me in, in my humility, whatever that looks like, to a place to get an opportunity to To lift him up in each of our lives, put him at the forefront. So let's pray together today. God, I I stand humbly. God, and I just I find myself in need of more grace. Always, always in more grace, God. And I pray in this house, God, for for the men and women that that hear this message. God, I just pray that we would be transformed not into some ideal about what we think how we should be leading, God, or how our husband or wife should be leading, but God, ultimately, that you are the authority for our home, God. Help us to find ourselves submitted actively, not passively, to your will and to your work. God, help us to take every moment seriously and live in the present God, help us to take action and be doers of the word, not just to to hear it, God, not just to read it, not just to see it, but God, to be doers of the word. Help us to submit today. We love you. We love you.